Let's read from verse 1 this morning. And uh, the title of the sermon is Spiritual Life. And you see where that fit in, fits in today. Verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Listen, what, what does he say? Did he say, and then the Spirit hit me, and I suddenly felt that I should leave all evil speaking, hypocrisy, envy. I got zapped this morning when I woke up, and everything evil left my body. Did it say that? Because I think sometimes we get in such a grace mode that we just think it's just going to fall out of us. That everything, but Peter right here, and he says, whoa, I've got to lay aside some of the, lay aside malice. Lay aside uh, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Oh, yeah, that last one's not a lack of one. Lay aside all evil speaking. And we're not, no, I'm not evil speaking. No, no, come on. Sometimes you just got to keep quiet. You've got to keep quiet. The angel's not going to come and slap you on the mouth, go, pa! Now you shut up, and now, no, you have got to keep quiet. You've got to change a little bit of that. Then he says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. So he says something about it needs to grow up. We've been talking about uh, maturity for a while now in the church, and especially at the beginning of this year. He says that is a baby thing, and the baby thing is laying aside all of this, getting to the Word, drink some milk, and grow up. Somewhere we find that Paul then writes and says, let's put milk aside and let's get to meat. So there's this, this progression. There's this understanding that happens that the moment you get born again, now you've got to understand how you got born again, what it is, how it works, and how it operates. You've got to grow up and mature, okay? He says, yeah, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God as precious. You also are living stones, or being built together up a spiritual house or a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. So what are you? A living stone. You're being built up. You're being built part of a building, but also as a stone you're being built. He starts off saying, let's mature. Let's lay aside some stuff. Let's grow up. Let's get into some things. There's a maturing and a growing that happens. So here's what's really interesting about this is that a lot of times we live in two worlds. We have our natural world and our spiritual world. And we spend a lot of time in this natural life of what we do every day. We work, we go to um, different functions, we go down to the beach, we, we eat, we cook, we watch a movie. There's all these this natural things. We, we put a budget together, we, the natural things of what life is. And a lot of times, this world predominantly takes up all our attention. And this world takes up all of our prayers. So everything, whatever we do, this, this world is the world that a lot of things happen. And we've separated as a spiritual world on this side where we pop into, a lot of times, to ask God to help us with this world. But if we read Scripture, is that God is spirit. There's a spiritual life. You have been born again, and it's not of natural deeds. It's of a spiritual. So now I've been born into the spiritual world, 
but I only visit the spiritual world when I need it. Um, on an occasion, it's, it doesn't dominate my natural world. My natural world is the world that dominates everything. I say yes to that all the time. It's, it really dictates everything I do. And when I look at the, the beginning of the church in Acts, and I want us to jump to Acts quickly, is that Acts doesn't start that way. Acts doesn't operate that way. The church in its starting form is spiritually driven. You see, Jesus says, I leave the natural, so, and it's to your advantage, John 14 16, um, it's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, I'll send you a helper, John 16, so that this one will lead and guide you and mature you. So it's an advantage that I leave. It's better for me to go. And I find the last few hundred years, what the church has done is the church is waiting for Jesus to come back so we can see him in the natural. When he himself said, I don't want to operate in the natural. I don't want to be with you naturally. I want to be with you spiritually. Now, now I'm shaking. I'm dropping a few hand grenades and bombs here. And, and, uh, and I hope I'm going to stir some stuff with you because we are a very natural-based church across the world, very based on what we see and feel and, and receive from a Sunday service or from what somebody does for me or what I can get from it. And we have this negotiation with God because we're thinking natural. If I do this, then God should have probably done more for me. You know, I've been in church for 20 years, Lord, and, and I haven't seen everything. you. I did a lot for you. <laughs> you know, I've been paying my tithe for, for at least a year now, and I haven't seen much reward on that. So um, this, this, this investment hasn't paid out for me yet. I think I should move my money somewhere else, like diversify this investment portfolio because what I've been investing with Jesus seems to be not well. And maybe it's the church I'm investing in, and that church doesn't, they don't even sing the songs I like. So we're in a negotiation with God instead of yielding completely to Jesus. What, is, what does he say? How does he operate? Is he truly my shepherd? Is he truly my Lord? What does that look like? Because we've created a gospel worldwide that is, that is so based on outcome instead of relationship. It's based on the fact that God, the gospel is always supposed to be good. It's, it's always that the moment I give my life to Jesus, in that moment, everything's going to work out. All the prayers are going to be there. Never again will there be anything bad. And I read the beginning of the Bible, of, of the church in Acts, not the Bible, the beginning of Acts. And I see the total opposite of that. I see people being thrown in jail, being beaten up for the gospel. And the moment they say, you better not tell anybody about this, they go, and they walk out and they say, can, you, can I tell you about Jesus? And, they, and probably he's got the blue eye and he says like, where have you been? I've just been beaten up for Jesus, but can I tell you about Jesus? They see uneducated mans, untrained, but bold because they've been with Jesus. They look at them and go, there's something about you that we just can't kill. We're killing all of you and you're still coming back. 
I find Stephen, who's chosen as some of the first leaders of the church, Stephen and Philip, is these two phenomenal deacons who just come out there, and the moment they get put in a place and say, what is this? They are bold in speaking about God. And what happens in his boldness is he doesn't start a church. Nothing else. No, they just murder him right there. They throw him with stones. They're cut to the heart, the Bible says, and they run at him and stone him to death. This wasn't something where the guys were going like, we'd like to kill Stephen. No, he preached so good they wanted to kill him. Where you have such a good sermon, like everybody's like, I pastor, if I can get you now. I go, I just they're so cut to the heart. Why cut to the heart? Because something that was said offended inside, instead of changing, instead of growing, instead of seeing I am a living stone being built together for God. I'm going to rather kill this guy because I just don't like what he's preaching. And in that moment, they're murdering Stephen. The heavens are open, and the Bible says, and he fell asleep. <laughs> he fell, they're killing him, and he's just like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to nap into heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall asleep into heaven. I'm just, I'm just going to cross over. Right? There's, there's something about the spiritual life that's different than the natural. It's different than what we're what we see within the context of how we're living today. Because today we want it all perfect. And if God doesn't break through on that prayer that I've prayed for, I just don't want to serve Him anymore. Because the gospel that's being preached right now is a prosperity gospel. And God wants you prosperous. I do believe that. And I do believe He wants you to break through in your finances and break through. But we have made mammon the outcome of my gospel. That if God can bless me so that I can be stinking rich... That's the sign of blessing. Or everything is always perfect in my life, and I'm the most perfect Facebook account that you could ever find an Instagram account. Everything is perfect. That is not the outcome of the gospel. The gospel is messy. The gospel is painful. The gospel is right in there, and it is it sometimes is so tough and so bad and so rough, but it is the peace within me regardless of the storm. That Jesus is asleep in a boat. He doesn't, it's not, a, the storm didn't stop. Jesus slept. Jesus wakes, they, they wake Jesus up, a lot of faith in Jesus, and he says, oh, you of little faith. What faith is he talking about? We won't die. It's rough right now. Storm's wild. But I'm with you. Oh, you of little faith. See, the faith is the foundation we stand on regardless of everything going right or wrong. That's the power of the gospel. The power of what he brings to us. And if we understand that in the spiritual life, then when he says seek for his kingdom, we're going to flow in kingdom. Let me just drop this in here. It was a Sunday night. I started speaking on, started in Genesis with Adam and Eve. We've got to understand that the very first thing that God does when he releases man into this world, when he creates him and he releases him, is to say work. God says, rule and reign over all the animals. But God doesn't say to Adam, Adam, sit down. I want to name all the animals and you just, you kind of just be a, 
glorified manager. No, he says, Adam, animals need names. Go. <laughs> Gives him a job and then releases him in the authority of the job. See, God gives you a job and a function in who you are, what he's called you to do, and then he says, operate in it. Come on. I've anointed you to be ruling and reigning. Operate in it. So Adam then goes and starts immediately naming the animals. Why? Because he's the one who's supposed to rule and reign over them. So if he's the one that's named them, he's the one that's going to rule and reign over them. Oh, okay. Got to get this a little bit. When, they fo- when the fall happens, what does God do? God restores the job. God brings them into the creative process. God says, okay, you've messed up, but go out and multiply. Go out, fill the earth. Go out, do the soil. Go out, bear children. Go out, do. God immediately releases the job, the purpose, the destiny. The problem is, is that in this new generation we're in, we've lost purpose. We've lost what is the call of God doing right now in the earth, in our life. What's the kingdom doing? Because if we know what that is, and we know where God's going in this next decade, there's purpose, there's release, because God's not done with you. reason I believe sometimes things are so dear makar is because the church has lost what purpose there is. What does God want to do with you right now? Not what God used to do with you, because that's gone. I can't, I can't bank on what God used to do in my life. What's God going to do with me right now? What's He about to release in my life right now? So let's quickly read you in Acts. Um, let's jump here to... So Peter has this wonderful encounter. He starts preaching to them. And here in... This is a very interesting piece in Acts 2, verse... Uh, this is from verse 40. So they have this exponential growth. The church starts expanding. People are just coming to Jesus. Things are just exploding around them. It says, um, and many of the other words have been testified and exhorted him, saying, Be saved, uh, you perverse generation. And those gladly received his word were baptized on that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Listen to what they said. What did they do? They continued steadfastly. Yeah, I think it implies devoting themselves. Devoting themselves in the doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. So the breaking of bread isn't just communion. There was like in fellowshipping with one another and in prayers. And what does the next scripture says? And it says, yeah, and the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Okay, so let's, let's turn the scripture around as in the modern day type of thing. Um, many signs and wonders happened. Everybody ran to church and suddenly wanted to be there. Prophets came and everybody heard what God wanted to say. Is that, is, is that what it says there? Because that's how we want it. When the prophet came, the church was very full. Everybody received word, and they were very happy. Many signs and wonders came, and everybody then suddenly wanted to go to church. No, the Scripture said, just go back one more for me. And it says here that they devoted themselves 
They would continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread. There was something about fellowship that was happening. There was prayer happening. There was stuff being changed. I've seen some of the greatest encounters in the world when people say, we're committed steadfastly to praying. There's a revival of prayer happening right now. Don't wait for prayer days. Get into prayer. Start making time for prayer. We are going to see a city changed and transformed. One of the greatest testimonies, uh, my mom actually reminded me uh, on the weekend about this, is there was this gentleman who lived in a neighborhood that was extremely caught up in gangsterism and a lot of stuff. And um, I forgot the name of the person. But what he did is then he decided that he was going to go pray everywhere in the street. And he, he realized just by driving around or walking around that he'd probably get into some trouble. So what he did is he took his old car, drove, stopped somewhere, opened the bonnet, acted like it broken, which was, uh, and he'd stand there praying, fiddling around on, the, on the, the engine, acting like he's fixing the car and walking, people coming by, hello, hello, and he's praying. He prayed for over, I think, two years up and down that street with his car, always acting like it's broken. And then suddenly, and then suddenly, and then suddenly, come on, that's not suddenly. It's two years of investment. It's two years of praying for that street. It's two years of steadfastly waiting for signs, wonders, and miracles. It wasn't a sign and a wonder and a miracle, and then they started praying, or then they started seeking the Word. No, it's because they were praying. It's because they were breaking bread. It's because they were in this fellowship. Then signs and wonders started happening. We're waiting for the signs and wonders, but we haven't prayed one second for it. We haven't done anything to say, look, I'm setting myself out of this natural mindset into the spiritual mindset. I'm going to be living from this place. I'm going to be saying yes to this place because this thing passes away. I'm going to be there. And out of that place of where they were living, miracles don't end. The entire street got saved. The entire street got saved. Every gangster got saved. Drugs. It was one of the, the most safest streets. Everything in that neighborhood started changing. Why? Because one man decided... I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to do the same thing expecting different results. The problem is we have a generation who wants something different but are not willing to change the way they look at things. That scripture that we read of Living Stones, it said, they, it said, lay aside evil speaking. So I can talk as much evil as I like, but then I, I want to see God do things in my life. I want Him to grow me. I want Him to see things happen. But my speaking's different. My speaking never changes. The moment that shifts, he says, lay it aside, things started changing. So here's where I, I want to jump to. And for a lack of time, I'm just going to jump straight to, I wanted to read some other stuff. But this is powerful. So let's go to Acts 5. The scripture everybody misses and don't want to talk about. Because nobody talks about or likes to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. This is a scripture that no amens happen when somebody says, let's go to Acts chapter 5. And I, I grew up in a church where this scripture was definitely preached to say, you better make sure your tithe is given because God's watching. <laughs> and that's not the truth about this scripture. You see, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, let me just read quickly because we don't have a lot of time. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession. And he kept back part of the possession, kept back part of the uh, proceeds, sorry. 
His wife, also being aware of it, wife knew what he was doing, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the prize of the land to yourself? While, uh, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, your, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart and have lied to men? You've not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed. He's lost. <laughs> this is a wild scripture. This guy comes and he brings. Probably in the modern day, we would go like, that's okay, brother. Thank you for whatever you're giving. The church needs it. Come on. We can do a lot with this. Like, you, you probably have the proceeds or whatever. You're saying you're giving everything. That's cool. Let's take this uh, and let's do this. It's like the story about the, the person who wants to bury his dog. He goes down to the church. This is the joke, okay? This is not scripture. Goes down to the church. Say, Pastor, can you please do a funeral for my dog? The pastor says, no, we don't. We don't bury dogs. I says, yeah, man, I've been down here to, to the other church, the Reformed Church down the road, and, and they also said, no, they can't. And the thing is, is I've just, I've just actually won the lotto, and I'd love to tithe. And the pastor goes, oh, you didn't tell me your dog was a Pentecostal dog, man. Yes, I can, I can definitely do the funeral. <laughs> this isn't what Peter's doing here, right? Peter isn't going like, hey, brother. Thank you so much for what you're giving. Now, there's something that Peter understands in this moment, or maybe he doesn't even understand it, is that he's basically looking at this man saying, you are pitching up into this revival with a different mindset that your God is finances because you never say no to that God. We always think, you know, God will understand. You know, God is gracious. He'll understand. But Absa, <laughs> Absa doesn't understand. So I'd rather obey Absa. Ooh, and I, I felt that one just dropped right through the black hole. Just shoo. Everything else in our life is the highest priority of obedience. And God will always understand. And nice and so far, it comes and says to this, to God, and it's like, just be happy with what I've given there. You know, like, at least I'm giving something. And Peter says, listen, you're playing here with God. He didn't call out death on it. It's that in that moment, I believe, and Nassifar was so cut to the heart of the evil they were doing, of the realization that it killed them in that moment. We don't see this happening continually throughout the New Testament, no. But it is definitely in the New Testament. It's definitely there about the question, and I've preached on this before, who is my God? Who is the one I'm obeying? Is it of this natural world? Because in this natural world, we have laws. Man, it says 10 o'clock, you should see people. There's lockdown it's, or, or, or curfew. I've got to go. I have got to go. We obey that 100%. But the Holy Spirit asks you for something? Like, yeah, you know, God will understand. Yeah. I know that ain't a grace word, but it is gracious because he is that gracious and he's trying to build the stones. He's trying to build the house. He's trying to mature you. That's why he says, lay aside that stuff, man, and drink some milk so you can get into the word and you can grow up. God doesn't hate you for it. God doesn't kill you for it. Yes, he is gracious. But man, oh man, we're in a different decade. We're in a different time and we cannot be doing the same things expecting different results. Something about us should change. 
changes. Like, ah, you know, God will understand, you know, I'm really busy right now. I can't go to prayer, man. You know, I'm so busy. Like, oh, God, thank you for this beautiful day. Love you, G. Hey, hey, I just go down the road here to the hardware and go ask that guy, will your God understand? His God doesn't exist. But anyway, I'll go down around the corner and... No, when 12 o'clock comes, he says, guys, sorry, I am going to prayer right now. Let's close the business. I'm leaving. In Spain, it's siesta. <laughs> so you don't no matter if you're inside or outside. My time of siesta is right now. We're closing the business. I'm going to sleep. But the context of us as Christians are, and that's what I heard a while ago, and I'm touching on some stuff I have said before, but God has been stirring in my mind and in my heart about Ananias and Sapphira. I said to Christian, I said, but listen, why can't we have off on Easter? A friend of mine in a big corporate company, and the guy said, because you don't go to church. At least the Muslims go to church. You go sit and drink at home. So your Christian holiday that you want is not on Christian basis. You just want to have a slechwees. You will not let go for a holiday in Breidach. Because every day is Breidach, right? <laughs> But the context is, is of that religion, of every other religion, we say, that's our religious day. We're going to church. It's our religious day. We're breaking bread. What did we just read? It's our religious day. We're getting into some, some doctrine. It's our religious day. We're putting out some time for Jesus, not because it's out of works, but out of honor. Who is this God we serve? What is it that we live by? Because we see signs, wonders, and miracles when they steadfastly were in prayer. When they steadfastly said, I'm devoting myself to some fellowship. When they steadfastly said, I'm getting some right doctrine into my life. And we're going to see some signs, wonders, and miracles. When they saw these men... They said they're definitely uneducated, they're definitely untrained, but they are bold, and they probably were with Jesus. Not probably, they definitely were with Jesus. When people looked at them, they were different. I'm, I can't find the scripture, I can't think where it's written, but it says, and they were scattered, and they were persecuted. Oh, it's talking about Paul, it was about Paul, uh, just before he's... Uh, conversion after Stephen. The Christians started running. They were in fear. And Scripture said they were in fear and they were running and they were preaching Jesus wherever they went. Okay, well, that doesn't, that doesn't fit together, right? They were scared and running but preaching Jesus wherever they went. They were scared and running but they were preaching Jesus wherever they went. Like sometimes I'm just lazy and much and I'm not talking about Jesus to anybody. Come on, you think about that, that going into the shop and bucking out the groceries. Hello. Okay, cool. yeah. Smart shop, but yeah. Plastic. Uh-uh. Thank you. Donkey. Thank you. This is my mixture. Thank you, donkey. And, and, and of course, he was in the end. Okay. You're packing and you're leaving. Right? But what about going to that to that, that till and going, Jesus, what do you want today? What do you want today? What does this lady need? What is what's this person behind me need? What's that that packer right? What do they need right now? What do you want to do right now? They were scared and running for their lives because they were being murdered for being Christians. We're not getting murdered anywhere in South Africa. 
Nobody is, we're not hiding right now in some dungeon with one piece of, of paper from a Bible that we're giving every week to somebody in the congregation to read. That's what's happening across the world. That's what's happening in places like China and Syria and Iraq and Iran and, and now probably in Afghanistan where they have maybe two or three pages and if they catch you with a Bible, they will kill you. But those people are preaching Jesus. Women who are being murdered and raped for, this, for, for the gospel. They're asked and said, listen, is that, how do you feel? I said, well, I've given everything to Jesus. I'll give my body too. Yay. And I look at the church in South Africa and I look at who we are and I'm going, man, we are more like Ananias and Sapphira than what we are about Peter and John or Paul and Silas who were being beaten up and thrown in jail and said, you will shut up about Jesus. And they go, sure, buddy. Next morning, they're right back out there. They're scared. They're running, but they're preaching Jesus. We're living stones being built together in this building. And God's saying, come on. There's more to this decade than what we've seen before. We cannot be doing the same thing as every other dec decade before this. It's got to be different now. It's got to be different in my life. It's got to be different about who I am, how I preach, what I say, what I live like. There's a spiritual life that's more real than the natural. So much more I wanted to say, but we'll talk about it on another day. Why don't you just close your eyes with me for a moment? I know many of you are facing some very difficult things. And you know, preaching this sermon today is difficult because my natural Sean, pastoral Sean, wants to just come and look at your circumstances because of work and because of the things you're in right now and the economy you're facing and things you faced up to this day. Many of you have lost some, some very close family members, some friends. Many of you are facing some tough, tough situations. But this is what the Holy Spirit's been impressing on my heart to preach. It's not to preach at where you're at, but to preach what the kingdom is doing. Because many of those disciples, many of those people were running in fear. But wherever they went, they preached the gospel. God knows where you're at. He loves you so much. Don't for one moment think I am preaching something that God is not interested in your circumstances or He doesn't. He's not moved by the difficulties or the giants shouting at you or the things happening around you. No, He is. He's a Father and He loves you. And He paid a dear price for you to be healed, for you to be saved, and for you to build your house on the rock. But there's more. There's more to this time. There's more to what God wants to do in and through you. And God wants you to lift your eyes out of your circumstances, above the giant, above the Jericho, above the desert, 
above everything else and says, I have called you for this time to be my voice in the earth. I've called you to be a light, a city set on a hill. I've called you with a purpose. You are part and parcel of this decade and what I want to do in you and through you. And all the enemy's doing is just keeping you busy with all the natural when there's so much more in the spirit about what he wants to release. He's not done. He's not done. He's only starting. He's only starting with what he wants to do in the earth right now. I believe we're at the greatest decade in any generation before us. thank you for that Lord today I pray Holy Spirit may you preach whatever I didn't get time to say may you take this little seed dropped into every heart in this place and grow it into the biggest tree in the world to create the biggest amount of fruit in our life that it will spring up in us like a fountain I pray this today in Jesus name in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. You know, last thing. Dave uses the word intentional over and over. It's become part of our team. It's become part of what we say. You've heard us say it so many times. But just being intentional with what a Sunday morning is or your prayer time not going into it in in the sense of it's a rush it's a oh okay sunday morning it's such a pattern no you know i i love going to the beach with, like there's a crowd of us i love going prepared even on camping i don't i'm not just pitch up there and just throw out a, bla- a thing peter and adele's the same i mean when we go um, hiking a few times i've been with them is that they're prepared for everything we might stay the night i don't know but they're there Everything's there. The, the lights are there. The knife's there. The, the radio's there. The coffee's in a flask. The things is prepared. So when you sit down at the top of the mountain and they pop open the bag, it is an experience. Because inside there, there's some good lunch and there's some good stuff. And I, I, love, and I, I love that preparation to what is because we're intentional about the walk. So when we get to the top, we're not caught off guard because we've put some stuff in. I want to tell you, when you come with an intentionality by saying, hey, man, I'm not going to go to bed at 12 at night before I come to church on Sunday morning. No, I'm coming ready. I've been praying Saturday night for what God's going to do Sunday morning. I'm going to get ready for that because I'm stepping into a season and a time where God's going to show up in His glory, where things are going to be. Man, you don't go to a high-end restaurant where you're going to get the best meal pitching up in your shorts and your flip-flops. If you do, they're not going to allow you in. <laughs> no, 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 you come prepared. You dressed. You smell good. You're ready for this meal. You're going to sit down at that table say, I'm ready for what God's about to give me. I've been prepared for the zikara. My, my, my spirit has been soaking for three days. I'm ready for what he's doing in this moment. Something about this moment is intentional. When they say, Jesus, I can feel it shake within me because I've come prepared. I'm intentional with what this moment is because it carries so much weight and honor. If we have that for anywhere else we go, 
Man, I, I've been in court before. You don't pitch up there with a pair of shorts. You have honor, and you look at that judge, and you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, you honor. But we come to God sometimes as if it's like just a little drive through Woo-woo, Nando's, what's up? Just give me a piece of chicken. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, and I'm out. He's gracious, and he's beautiful, and he's kind, and he is our father. But man, oh man, there's something about what this generation and this time should be is we honor and we've been intentional about what this time is. And I'm telling you, we're going to come with that. We're going to be prepared in our hearts on a Saturday and take some time off on an evening. What will God do with this generation? We want our generation to change. We want our children to change. But we're not changing. We're not changing our ways. We do the same thing and want different results. I was like, it's never going to change. It's never going to change if we don't change the way we see things. If we don't say, man, I'm, I'm going to make some Saturday nights. I'm not saying every single Saturday night, man, come on, I want you to live your life, be your things. But let's be a little bit more intentional because of the value of what that is for us. And I promise you, I promise you today, we're going to push through on something and we'll never look back. We'll never look back. We're going to see everything in our life shift. We're going to see everything in our children's lives and our communities and this community behind us because of what God wants to do in this area. Because of what God wants to do in us. Yeah, I felt that was from the Holy Spirit. So let's stand. Father, I thank you as we leave. And we'll just walk in your blessing. Holy Spirit, stir this. Stir this in our heart. And Lord, I pray for this afternoon as we step out on that beach. And we worship. May your glory show up. May your glory fill the beach. May the baptisms be supernatural. May it be something that stirs within that ocean and on that place. We pray that people will get saved. We pray that people will experience you as we worship today. We thank you for that, Lord. We're going after souls. We want to see this world changed and renewed. We want to see the world experience your glory, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen.